From Los Angeles, California, we present the program of the voice of prophecy, a voice crying in the wilderness of these latter days, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Now we invite you to listen to our broadcast and share with us the mutual blessing and inspiration of this hour together. On Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye pain and fair and happy land where my possessions lie. We will Fair and happy land by and by, far across from the evergreen shore. Sing the song of Moses and the Lamb by and by, and dwell with Jesus evermore. When shall I reach that happy place and be? creator of heaven and earth, all power is thine. Strengthen us by thy spirit that we may walk worthy of thee, obedient to thy holy commandments. We would be steadfast and faithful unto thee, with joy drawing water from the wells of salvation, the precious promises of thy holy word. So refresh and strengthen us in every good way. Through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. There is a place of quiet rest Near to the heart of God A place where sin cannot molest Near to the heart of Greetings to the world, a world brought face to face once more with the age-old question, what will we do then with a man called Jesus? Millions today are deciding this question pro and con. 
This broadcast of the Voice of Prophecy reviews for our millions of listeners a thrilling chapter in the life of Jesus that we feel sure will draw many thirsty hearts to the fountain of life. Do you remember the words of the old song, Jesus is standing in Pilate's hall? Jesus is standing in Pilate's hall, friendless, forsaken, What meaneth the sudden call? What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. Someday your heart will be ours. Pictures make a strong impression on the lives of children. I'm thinking of a picture I used to look at when I was a boy. Whenever I see it now, I fall under the solemn influence of its mighty theme. It's Moncasi's celebrated painting of Christ before Pilate. In the 40 or more faces pictured on that great canvas, one can detect almost every human emotion. We see the high priest in the full torrent of his accusations, the stern face of Pilate the judge. But the face which dominates the scene is the face of the prisoner at the bar of justice, Christ the Son of God. Here face to face we have the spiritual kingdom of heaven, the mightiest empire of this world. The prisoner and the judge represent two great opposites, the power of love and the love of power. What a scene this is. And it's our subject for this broadcast, Christ Before Pilate. And our first text, 1 Timothy 6, 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold in eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things. And before Jesus Christ, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we are to make a good confession before the world, we shall need to look off at the scene before Pilate's judgment seat. That is, we ought to read the record of it in the Bible and let the Holy Spirit impress it upon our hearts. 
In that way, the picture will be right and just as God wants it to be, far better than any human artist could ever paint it. This trial before Pilate took place early in the morning, according to John 18, 28. Pilate was aroused from his rest and called hastily to the place of judgment. Spectators filled the hall early as it was, but the religious leaders who had already condemned Christ in their own council during the night would not enter the judgment hall. According to their ceremonial law, that would defile them so that they could not take part in the Passover feast. They did not stop to think that their hearts were defiled of hatred, that Christ was himself the real Passover lamb, and that since they had rejected him, the feast had lost its meaning for them. Christ stood before the governor, bound like a common criminal. In this way, the majesty of heaven was insulted by sinners. It was soon evident to Pilate that Christ was not guilty of sedition as charged by his enemies. It was plain to him that envy was at the bottom of their charges and that they didn't have any actual evidence at all against Christ, which could legally be the basis for a death sentence. Christ's countenance was not that of a criminal. His face bore the signature of heaven. It was the mirror of holiness, love, and purity. And Pilate was deeply impressed, too. To the surprise of Christ's accusers, he asked for proof of their charges. They were not prepared to submit proof and demanded that Pilate take their word that Christ was worthy of death. According to law, the Jews could find one guilty in their religious courts, but they couldn't execute the death sentence. This they demanded that Pilate do at once. In their extremity, they called these false witnesses who said that Christ was perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ a king. All three of these charges were false, and these men knew it, but they were willing to commit perjury in order to condemn the innocent Savior. How far the human heart will descend into the darkness when it turns away from the light of the world. Pilate didn't believe these false charges, but he turned to Jesus and asked, Are you the king of the Jews? And Christ replied, Thou sayest it, or what you've said is true. Caiaphas and the others with him called Pilate to witness that Christ actually did claim to be a king, and the mob took up the cry of accusation insult and abuse were heaped upon him, but he made no answer to his accusers. The ancient prophecy was fulfilled which said, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Isaiah 53, 7. Pilate was surprised by the eloquent silence of Jesus. He was astonished that Christ could bear such mockery without retaliation. It seemed that the light of conscious innocence shone from his eyes. Then Pilate said, Answerest thou nothing? Behold how many things they witness against thee. But Jesus yet answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Mark 15, 4. Then hoping to find the truth and get away from the roaring mob, he took Jesus aside privately and asked him as man to man, Art thou the king of the Jews? The Holy Spirit was striving with Pilate. This was his great moment of opportunity, and the Savior answered, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell it thee of me? In other words, do you honestly wish to know? Or is it merely the accusation of the priests? What a chance Pilate had. His problem in the trial of Christ had shifted from one of mere information to personal decision which he couldn't escape. Almost persuaded now to believe, almost persuaded Christ to receive, seems now some soul to say, Go, Spirit, go thy way. Some more convenient day on the I'll call. Poor man. Pride rose up in his heart, and Pilate said, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests have delivered thee unto me. What hast thou done? Reading John 18, 35. 
Pilate threw off conviction, just as many do today. But Jesus didn't let him go without further light. While he did not answer Pilate's question directly, he plainly stated his mission to the world and made it clear he was not seeking an earthly throne. I'm reading on in John 18. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate wanted to know the truth. Many of the philosophers of that day had arrived at the conclusion that truth could never be known. Whether Pilate was influenced by this school of the cynics, we do not know, but he eagerly asked, What is truth? But he never waited for an answer. The tumult of the crowd suddenly recalled him to the affairs of the moment. And like many others, he never found the light his heart hungered for, just because he listened to the crowd instead of to Christ. We do not know what language Pilate used in his conversation with Jesus, but if it was Latin, the language of imperial Rome, his question, what is truth, was quid est veritas. Turning this around, we have the Latin words es vir quiades, or it is the man who stands before you. What a wonderful answer to Pilate's question, what is truth? For to all who receive him, he is indeed the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. He asked the question, what is truth? The answer all our souls demand. He looked into the eyes of love. He saw the truth before him stand. And then he waited no reply, no answer from the king of light. He heard the clamor of the crowd. He went out, and his heart was nice. May we not make the same mistake. Going out to the multitude, Pilate said, I find no fault in him at all. While Pilate didn't accept Christ and risk his official position, possibly his life, to save an innocent man, he did decide to free him right there, if he could possibly do so without too great a risk. In Acts 3.13... We read that he had determined to let Christ go. As Herod was in the city for the Passover season, Pilate conceived the idea of turning the whole case over to him because Jesus was from Galilee after all, which was Herod's province. This was also an opportunity to heal an old quarrel between himself and Herod. So he sent Jesus away to Herod, but after that wicked man who had put John the Baptist to death had mocked him, he sent him back to the Roman judgment hall. Pilate couldn't pass the responsibility of Christ's condemnation to another. The decision was still his. He'd found no fault in Christ, and Herod, one of Christ's own nation, had found none. So Pilate said to the accusers, I will therefore chastise him and let him go. But this was another terrible mistake which revealed to the crowd his weakness. Pilate had declared Christ innocent, yet he was ready to have him scourged. Pilate's wavering and indecision left him almost helpless in the hands of the priests and rulers. Just then a message came from his wife. Have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. Reading Matthew 27, 19. What a wonderful blessing it is for a man to have a good wife who backs him up in doing right. But Pilate was trying a new idea. 
It was a custom at the great Passover feast to release some prisoner at popular request. It happened that a notorious criminal by the name of Barabbas, who was a murderer, had also been implicated in sedition, was being held in prison at that time. So Pilate now proposed that the people choose a prisoner for release, hoping that they would ask for Jesus. In this way, he also sought to shift the responsibility for the decision from himself to the mob. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas, or Jesus, which is called Christ? The chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said unto them, What will I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. His last compromise had failed. He had released Jesus or condemned him to crucifixion. What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? Pilate had the answer to this question. You and I must answer it, too. He had to answer it. We can't put it off onto some Herod or the Jews or anybody else, for it will always come back to us, just as it did to Pilate. What will you do with a king called Jesus? Many are waiting to hear you say. Some have despised him, rejecting his mercy. What will you do with the king today? What can you witness concerning his goodness who died to save you from sin's bitter thrall? Who will declare him the fairest of thousands who now will crown him the Lord of all? The name Barabbas means son of the father, and it's held by some that he too claimed to be the Messiah. This wicked man is a type of the sinful world, yet the people chose him instead of Jesus, the sinless Savior. What choice will we make? Will it be Christ? Or Barabbas is our king. What shall I do with Jesus, the song says. He stands before me now, wearing the robe of purple, the thorns upon his brow. Shall I release the robber, the carnal man of pride, sin or a sinless savior? Oh, which shall be denied? Pilate, the governor under the supreme authority of the Roman emperor, had the power of life and death, now admitted that the crowd was too much for him. Christ, who by Pilate's own public declaration as a judge was innocent, had been whipped with a terrible Roman scourge, and now he is to be turned over to his enemies. Not only not proved guilty in open court, but by the judge himself declared to be a just person, innocent of any crime. Just listen to this. I'm reading Matthew 27. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, that rather a tumult was made, he took water, washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I'm innocent of the blood of this just person. See you to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Pilate could never wash that blood away. 
He was just as guilty of Christ's death as if he himself had nailed him to the cross. He decided against Christ by not deciding for him. Pilate wanted to release the innocent Savior of the world, but had he done so, he would have risked his high political job. He'd been appointed to the position of governor by Caesar, the emperor of Rome, and right at this critical moment, when it was evident that he would release Christ unless there was proof of his guilt. The angry mob roared, If you let this man go, you're not Caesar's friend. And that settled the matter for Pilate right then and there. He wanted to let Christ go, but he must keep his position, so he compromised. He thought he'd saved himself by sacrificing principle, but he hadn't. No man ever does. It's said that in a short time he was stripped of his authority and position and sent away in exile to southern Gaul, where, like Judas, he took his own life. It was too late then. Then Jesus was gone. His job was gone. His life was gone. Hope was gone. His chance of heaven was gone. Everything was gone. Almost persuaded, yes. Harvest is past. Almost persuaded, doom comes at last. He's almost persuaded, but lost. Brother man, now while you have the opportunity, and the Holy Spirit is still pleading with your heart, won't you accept Jesus as your Savior and King and give your life to him in loving service? Suppose you were in Pilate's judgment hall and if you could see Christ standing here tonight, his thorn-crowned head and pierced hands could view. If you could see those eyes that beam with heaven's own light and hear him say, Beloved, what's for you? Would you believe and Jesus receive if he were standing here? Would you believe and Jesus receive if he were standing here? Would you believe and Jesus receive and Jesus if he were standing here. If you could see that face so calm and sweet, those lips that spake words only pure and true, could see the Whatever men may say, have faith in God, for that's the better way. Have faith, dear friend, in God.
And be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace.